of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the Savior so pure and free from sin. They said to crucify him he Who have a 
Thank you, Sue and Sharon, for that great piece. I'd like to welcome you to worship here at First Church today. First, our announcements. Uh, the flowers by the altar are from Dale Grimes' remembrance service yesterday. Please keep Dale's family and friends in your prayers, thoughts and prayers. Wonderful Wednesday continues this week. That's our open format for supper and for the children. Please invite family, friends, the community to join us. Uh, we have down that this week's soup is broccoli and cheese, sausage and cabbage, and, of course, chicken noodle soup. Uh, so please come to that. And then during the service today, we'll be welcoming new members to First Church. So kind of pay attention to those folks and welcome them after the worship service would be great. Uh, Tori, do you have... Tori has an update on Vacation Bible School. Good morning. This is a lot easier when you're not preaching. (laughs) Um, uh, Vacation Bible School is coming uh, this summer, and we have our theme. We're going to outer space, and I am so excited. So last year we went down to the depths of the ocean, and this year we're going way up high in space. Um, So it's for all kids ages 4 to 6th grade. Uh, it's June 5th through the 9th, so we put a handy reminder card in the bulletin today. So I invite you just to take that home, uh, stick it on the fridge, and don't forget, um, kind of as a save-the-date reminder. Um, this year our theme uh, is uh, being galactic star bears. So we're going to look at the salvation story with the lens of creation. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like. Um, and the conversations that are going to happen. Our verse uh, this year is Colossians 1, 15 through 16. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we're going to be uh, looking for the invisible God in everyday life um, and figuring out what that looks like as we go on our outer space journey. Um, If you have any questions, uh, please email me or email the church office, and we'll answer those. Also, um, now is my plea for help. So if you would like to help, uh, last year went so well, and our volunteers, I could not – uh, say enough about them. They were amazing, and they really helped pull, pull the week together, pull everything off, and it was just such an amazing, spirit-filled week. I, I don't think I've ever felt this Holy Spirit so tangible, but then I did at the VBS. Um, so if you want to help this year, I already have a couple spots filled for teachers um, and for music, uh, but we still need more help. So if you are willing to help um, June 5th through the 9th, please come and talk to me and we will find you a spot. Students, that also means you. So if you would like to help, um, let me know and we'll get you plugged in. Thank you. Thank you, Tori. And I call your attention to all the other bulletins that are in the, in the bulletin. Uh, please rise for the call to worship. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, 
like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Please join us in singing the Revelation song.
This time I'd like to invite forward those who are uh, joining the church this morning. As they're making their way forward, I just want to let you know who they are, of course. So we have Audrey Fisher and Michael Wood, Beth Height, and Paul and Shirley Maurer. Uh, this is always an exciting time for me as pastor, of course, to, to welcome new members to our church. And I hope um, you guys get, get, catch that excitement as well. Um, it's a great thing to see people joining the church, seeing people making the commitment, not just to this body of Christ here in New Knoxville, but to the body of Christ as a whole. Um, and it's really cool to, to see that. So we welcome you. We thank you for the commitment that you're making. Um, and as part of that, I've talked with them about our mission statement. And, and as you know, this is, uh, we just got done preaching through this, and, and we talked about, uh, about how we as a church are striving to live this out in, in everything we do. And that goes for us as a church as a whole, but also as individuals. And so as part of their, their uh, joining the church this morning, um, I'd like uh, for us, not only us to be reading that, but I'd like all of us to read it together as a, as a reaffirmation of, of what we're about here at First Church. If you're if you're not aware, the, the words are printed in the front of your bulletin as always, and so I encourage you to, to grab that and, and read uh, this mission statement along with me. We're a community of faith who engage biblical truth to provide an environment where people mature as disciples of Christ. To accomplish our mission, First Church will encounter our Creator, embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to become His disciples, Empower lives through God's living word, the Bible. Engage with the Holy Spirit to provide guidance and direction. Encourage others to know Christ and strengthen their relationship with God. Enrich the body of Christ by going forth and supporting fellow disciples. First Church recognizes Jesus Christ as the head of the church and as Savior and Lord. We are an independent, non-denominational congregation. As we affirm that together this morning, you know, we're as, as members of the church, uh, we always want to strive to be living that out. Um, that goes not just for, for our new members, but for our existing members as well. And when you join the church, you're, you're you know, committing to, to, to strive to live that out in your own life as well as within the church. But we as a church are also committing to help and support you in that process as well. It's, membership is a two-way street in that sense. You know, they're, they're committing to be a part of this church, but we're also committing to them as members of the church as well. And so as I pray for you this morning, we welcome you to the church. Know that you have our, our loving support and encouragement as well uh, now that you're, I guess, in a sense, officially joining, <laughs> joining this church here. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pray with them if you would like to pray with me and then... Uh, and then welcome them into the church this morning. Father, thank you for each one uh, that's, that's up here making this commitment today. I thank you for Paul and Shirley, for Audrey and Michael, and for Beth. And thank you, Lord, for the commitment that they're making, Lord, not just to, to the, the church here in New Knoxville, but to, to the body of Christ as a whole. Um, Lord, thank you uh, for their commitment, and I pray that you'd encourage and strengthen them, uh, help them to live out their faith each and every day, and, uh, and, and make that, make that uh, mission statement a reality in their lives. And I pray, Lord, as, as a church, that we would support and encourage them as well, that, that we would come alongside them and help them to, to live it out just as we are trying to live it out ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for their commitment. Thank you for, uh, and I pray, Lord, that you would welcome them into this church as well. In Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, as, as children are come forward, this is a time to, to stand and greet your neighbor and I invite you if you're, if you're able to, to greet our new members as well. All right, guys. 
Well, guess what I got in the mail yesterday? An invitation. I got an invitation to one of my friend's birthday parties. How cool is that? It's a little crab. It's adorable. Um, and I am so excited. Her birthday party is today, so she was a little late getting it out. But I came prepared because I think she's probably behind on party planning. So, you know, I bought my awesome party hat that I love to wear. Uh, it's going to fall off my head, though. Streamers, just in case she needs some streamers. You never know. You want to be prepared for everything, right? And I got some balloons, too. So I am ready for a party. Um, when you get an invitation, what do you have to do with that invitation? Usually it has something on there that you need to do what to? Okay. You need to RSVP. What does RSVP mean? You don't know? It means respond soon. It means I need to know if you're coming to my party or not, right? And sometimes when we get invitations to things that we have to RSVP to, we don't always want to go to them, right? We don't always want to go to the party. Sometimes I'm not in a party mood. Sometimes I just don't want to go. Um, And so sometimes we make excuses like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling so good (laughs) or I'm going to go visit my grandma that lives in Tennessee, I think, maybe, Um, or there's a really big test at school, you know, all those excuses we use to get out of things, right? And making excuses isn't something new. Um, Even back in the Bible times, people were making excuses. So Jesus liked to teach in parables, right? He liked to tell stories that had a deeper meaning um, for us to see what he was talking about, right? So it it causes us to think a little bit. Um, And in this story, Jesus told there was a king that was going to throw this awesome party for his son that was getting married, right? The, the, the celebration was going to be huge, um, and there, it was a really big honor to get an invitation. There would be a lot of food, there would be a lot of party games, um, and it would be a really fun celebration. And all the plans had been made. Uh, they were getting ready for the day of. It was right up until... Um, And the day of the celebration came, and nobody showed up. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't you want to go to an awesome party with lots of food and games? Do you guys want to go to that? Yeah, me too. Um, But nobody wanted to go to the party. So the king sent his servants out and asked him to go and see why people didn't want to come to the party. And they made up excuses. And so he told them, just start going and inviting everybody off the street. Um, And Jesus said to them, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who had prepared a big wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So the king was really upset. So he told his servants, Go out into the street and invite everyone that you see. And they did exactly what the king had told them to do. And the wedding hall was filled with guests that were not on the original invitation list. So can you guess who the king might have been in this story? Hmm? Nope. Who else? Yes, God. And who would the son have been? He had it first. Jesus. Exactly. Um, Jesus has sent us all invitations, and you can find a lot of his invitations in the Bible, right? Uh, Jesus tells us to follow him. He invites us to follow him. He invites us to place any of our cares or our worries um, on to give them to him. Uh, he promises us to take care, promise us that he'll take care of us. 
he also invites us to be his followers and to grow in relationship with him. And he also invites us to go and tell other people about Christ and his love for them. So if you read through the Bible, um, you can find a lot of those invitations. But all of those invitations require us to RSVP, right? They require us to do something with them. Because Jesus isn't going to just tell you to do something and then let you just sit there, right? It doesn't work that way. Um, So this week, I want you to take Jesus up on the invitation of inviting someone to church or to talk to them about Jesus, okay? So that's your challenge this week. Um, And find one person, and it can't be a family member because they usually come to church with you anyway, Um, but find one person at school or at the playground, I don't, wherever it is, and invite them to come to church with you and invite them to come to Sunday school with you even. Um, You could even make them a really sweet invitation, and give it to them to come to church, okay? So that's your challenge this week, is to go and invite one person to come to church with you and tell them about Christ, okay? So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all of the invitations that you give us. Thank you for the chance to follow your son, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that this week that we would find one person that uh, you want us to invite to church and that we would have um, the courage to ask them and that they would come. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for this morning. Amen. Thanks, Tori. Let's continue in a spirit of prayer this morning. Father, thank you for, uh, for being here with us, for being our God and for sending out that invitation, Lord, that Tori was just talking about that we'll take a closer look at later in our service. Uh, thank you for sending that invitation out to each one of us. I pray, Lord, that we, those who are here this morning who are listening on the radio, would receive that invitation to know you and to be in a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you also this morning for the families that joined, uh, joined First Church this morning. Uh, I pray that you'd strengthen them and their families, uh, encourage them this morning and, and in the weeks and months and years to come, and that they may grow, and, grow in their relationship with you and become uh, integrated into this church as well. Uh, Lord, I also lift up uh, the many names that we see here listed. Uh, we pray for comfort for those who need comfort. We pray for healing for those who need healing. And we pray, Lord, uh, in all things that they would be able to look to you for what, whatever it is that they need. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do and continue to do for us. Uh, you are faithful even when we are not. And so we are grateful, Lord, for those promises. Uh, we pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today's uh, offering goes to support uh, Vacation Bible School, coincidentally also what Tori was talking about earlier. Uh, And so uh, those helping with the offering, please come forward at this time as we hear the choir uh, sing, We See Christ. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. 
I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Truly, I say unto you, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me.
remain standing for the gospel, for the reading from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, said the servant, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the reading of the word. I invite you to remain standing and sing uh, number 326 softly and tenderly. We'll sing just the first verse together. seated. Father, thank you again for an opportunity to be here this morning to preach your word. I pray that as I, as I share, you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. This is one of my favorite times of year. Uh, some people like this time of year because the weather begins to turn towards spring. I should say most years weather begins to turn towards spring. This year may be a little bit of an exception to that. Uh, but that's not why I love this time of year. It's not about the weather. Um, I love this time of year so much because I'm, I'm, I have to admit something. I'm a little bit of a sportsaholic. And, and this time of year is just fantastic for sports fans like me. Uh, the NBA and the NHL seasons are on their final stretch run, and, and teams are making one last push for the playoffs. Uh, spring training is in full swing, and opening day for baseball season is just around the corner. But the real reason this is one of my favorite times of year is March Madness. If any of you are basketball fans, you know what I'm talking about. The NCAA men's basketball tournament is one of the most exciting sports tournaments there is. 68 teams vying for the championship. David versus Goliath matchups. Cinderella stories. And during opening weekend, which was this weekend, there are games on for about 12 hours straight. And if you can time it out just right, you don't ever have to watch a commercial. You can just flip from game to game to game to game. 
I'm not just sharing this with you so that you know why I may look a little tired this morning, because I've been staying up a little bit later than I probably should the last few nights watching basketball. But one of the special parts of the NCAA tournament every year is Selection Sunday, when the tournament committee releases their choices for the field. Some schools are there almost every year, but there are some who rarely get a shot. This year, Northwestern was one of those schools. Although they play in the Big Ten with Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, and other powerhouses, they have never played in the tournament. Known more for their academics than their athletics, Northwestern has played basketball for more than 100 years and never once played in March Madness until this year. They had to wait until Selection Sunday, but they were invited to the tournament as an at-large bid. And there's a video floating around the internet of the team receiving the good news, and and it'll be an understatement to say they were pretty ecstatic about it. And I share this with you today because our parable talks about people who received an invitation, but they did not react with the kind of enthusiasm that Northwestern did. In fact, they rejected the invitation and made excuse after excuse why they couldn't attend this banquet. Today I want to take a look at what Jesus was teaching us through the story of this banquet and the invitation And what we can learn about the kingdom of God from it. Jesus tells the parable of the great banquet in response to a comment that was made while eating a meal at a home, uh, at one of the home of one of the Pharisees. This man said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This is a common belief at that time when God would initiate his kingdom at the end of this age. uh, It would be inaugurated with a great feast and celebration for those who were deemed righteous. The book of Isaiah in chapter 25, 6-8 describes it in this way. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And in Isaiah 55, uh, verses 1 through 2, he, he sends this invitation. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. This theme is also picked up in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. Uh, the call to worship this morning uh, from Revelation 19 uh, talked about it. It mentioned the wedding feast of the Lamb and the celebration that would take place at that time. Once again, it's talking about this great banquet, celebration for all of God's people in the presence of the Lord himself. And this is the feast that the person is referring to in today's passage from Luke 14. He's looking forward to the day when God's people would be able to celebrate in God's kingdom with God himself. But there's something else going on here. In in his statement, he's implying that he would be be part of that banquet, right? He would be participating in in that celebration. You see, for the people of Israel, their standing before God was intrinsically related to their national and ethnic identity. In other words, some people like this one, like the one who made this comment to Jesus, they assumed that they would be partaking in this feat, they'd be a part of this, this celebration simply because of when and where they were born. Unfortunately, this is a common misconception that we have today, isn't it? We may not tie our standing before God to our national identity, but we have other criteria that we think automatically qualifies us for being a part of God's kingdom. 
Our grandparents were faithful members of the church. My parents served faithfully in in various ministries and, and volunteered all their time to the church. We think that we can skirt our way into God's kingdom on our family's coattails. But as my good friend Pastor Steve used to say, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Each one of us has to accept that invitation to partake in God's feast for ourselves. Your parents can't decide it for you. Your spouse can't decide it for you. Your pastor can't decide it for you. You have to receive it yourself. See, that's the point that Jesus is trying to make with this parable. A certain man prepares a great feast, and once it's prepared, he sends out a servant to let the invited guests know it's ready. This is a normal occurrence in that day and age when, when there were no cell phones or Facebook invites. right? And, and this is part of a, a, a process that would normally take place um, for a feast like this. The invitation would actually happen in two stages. Uh, there would be the initial invitation where a servant would go out and invite people to, to join the celebration. And at that point, they'd either accept or decline that invitation. Um, and then he would report back to his master. And then at that point, they'd begin to make preparations. And sometimes that would take days or even weeks to make it happen. But when the, when the feast, when the banquet was finally ready, he'd send a servant out again a second time and let those who accepted the invitation know that the feast was ready. And so what we see happening in this parable is, is we're getting a glimpse of that second, uh, second half of the invitation. Presumably the people that the servant now speaks to had already, already accepted the invitation. And at this point to decline it would have been extremely rude. That's how, that is, however, exactly what they do. They make excuse after excuse as to why they cannot attend. To be honest, they aren't very good excuses either. You would think that someone would inspect a field or inspect a yoke of oxen before making a purchase, right? How many of you would buy a home or buy a car without, without checking it out first, right? So, so presumably they've already done that. And if, if in the, the strange case that they weren't able to make the inspection before the purchase, that field's not going anywhere. The oxen will still be there the next day to test. So, so the excuses that they're making aren't really that great of excuses. Um, the third person, uh, his excuse may seem a little bit more legit than the others, but even that um, kind of falls flat, right? The, there is even a law in Deuteronomy that prohibits people who are newly married from serving in the military, but we're not talking about going to war here. We're not talking about going to battle. We're talking about attending a party. And so that law doesn't exactly apply in this case. What's really going on is that they were too preoccupied with their own lives to give any heed to this invitation. They were too caught up with what was going on in their own little circle to really uh, accept the invitation as they should. In the same way, there are people who go through this life making excuse after excuse as to why they never accept the invitation that God has extended to every one of us. We're too busy. Right? We don't have the time. We have to take care of ourselves. We, like many of the religious leaders of Jesus' day, do not see our need for God. And we're never going to make time for something we don't see the need for. Think about our own calendars. Think about our own schedules. If we don't feel like something is really necessary or really needful, we're not going to make time for it. We, We bump it off the schedule and find other things that are more important. For those of us who are who don't see the need for the Lord, we're not going to make the time for him. We'll make excuse after excuse as to why we don't accept that invitation. You see, it's possible to be a good person, to live a good life, and still miss out on being part of God's kingdom. Good, bad, poor, rich, religious or not, 
we all need to accept the invitation for ourselves. Now think again about that Northwestern basketball team. What good would it have been for them to receive the invitation to the NCAA tournament and then never show up? Can you imagine that? They were given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, something they had, been ne- they had never done before in the history of their school. Do you think they would just stay home? Of course not. There's no way they would turn down that opportunity, no way that they would receive the invitation and then not show up. But yet that's what people do all the time, isn't it? They're invited to participate in God's kingdom. They're invited to receive the free gift of salvation that Christ offers to each one of us. And they turn it down. They're too busy. They don't have a need for a savior. And as they go on living their lives, they're missing out on something that's infinitely greater than a basketball tournament. Over the last couple of weeks, we talked a lot about how we respond to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. Each of these parables urges us to respond positively to Christ to respond with faith and obedience to the one making this invitation. The father sent his sons into the vineyard, right? The, the, the landowner who planted the vineyard and rented out to the tenants desired that they be faithful and, and produce fruit. And here we see an opportunity for guests to receive an invitation to a party. Each of these parables urges us to respond positively to that invitation. But this parable points to something else as well. It points to the joy that is available to us if we receive that invitation. See, this invitation that God makes to us is not to a life of drudgery or boredom. It's, a partic- it's to participate in a banquet, a celebration, a party. You see, we often think of God as a cosmic killjoy, don't we? Think of him as, a, as this old man on a cloud just waiting to ruin all of our fun. That if we choose to follow him, he will, he will uh, make our lives miserable and, and, and we won't allow to do anything that we enjoy anymore. But that couldn't be further from the truth. You see, God created us for joy. He created us to, to be happy and, and to enjoy our lives. The problem is that we often find, we try to find joy in the wrong places. We try to find fulfillment and contentment and happiness in, in places that, we were never, that were never intended to fulfill us in that way. We fill our attention with our possessions, our money. We distract ourselves with other things. We have relationships that may or may not be good for us. But we'll only find our true joy if we accept that invitation he's extended to us. C.S. Lewis, uh, famous author and, and, and Christian, wrote in a, in a book called The Weight of Glory. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't can't imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I think there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? We are far too easily pleased. We think that receiving the invitation to partake in God's great banquet will be the end of our fun and the end of life as we know it. In reality, we'll never truly be satisfied unless we turn to the Lord ourselves. Psalm 1611 says, You know, excuse me, you make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You see, there's true joy in accepting that invitation. Joy that we can find nowhere else. See, Jesus calls to each one of us, follow me. 
as Tori so eloquently talked about with the children. You know, that invitation is to a relationship. It's to knowing and being with Christ. That's why I think this great banquet is such a fitting description of what the kingdom of God will be like. It's a celebration. It'll be joyful and it'll be relational as well. You see, meals were such an important part of, of the culture of Jesus' day. Uh, we don't necessarily make that connection all the time. We don't associate so much meaning with, with sharing food with someone else. But, but in Jesus' culture, and in, in the language of the Bible, sharing a meal with someone was really significant. It pointed towards a deep bond, a deep relationship, whether that was uh, a family or friendship. Um, but you didn't just share a meal with someone you hardly knew. It was an intimate relationship. It was an intimate moment that you shared with, with friends and family. And so, so when we talk about a great banquet here, right, he's not, just, he's not just inviting acquaintances, people that he doesn't intend to ever talk to again. It's an invitation to a relationship. It's an invitation to, to know Christ at a deeper level. Sharing a meal with someone indicated a deep and strong bond uh, that went beyond just simple acquaintance. The invitation is to enter into that personal relationship with Christ, a relationship made possible through his death and resurrection, whereby our sins have been forgiven and the barrier that once separated us from God, our sin that once drove a wedge between us and the Lord, was removed. And so looking again at this parable, we see that the first group of people refused the invitation, but that's not the end of the story, thankfully. The story doesn't just end with an empty banquet hall. God, excuse me, I guess God, the master in the story who represents God, uh, sends his servant out again. He tells him to go out and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The very same people that he mentioned just before this parable and for whom Jesus often had compassion. These people represented the outcasts of Jewish society. The sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the people who often responded positively to Jesus' message of grace. Over and over again in the Gospels, we see these sorts of people accepting the invitation while the religious leaders, the people you'd think had it all figured out, rejected him over and over again. In one instance, the contrast is actually quite dramatic. We find it in Luke chapter 7. It describes another scene where Jesus is once again sharing a meal at the house of of a religious leader. And during the meal, this woman kind of comes in and, and, and drops in on the party. And as they're reclining at the table, she begins to, to wash Jesus' feet. And she's so moved by, by what Jesus has done for her, that offer of forgiveness and grace, that she begins to just weep. She begins to cry. And as, as she's crying, her tears fall on Jesus' feet, and, and she uses her tears to wash the dust away. And as she's washing his feet, she uses her hair to, to dry his feet. It's just, intimate portrait of, of, of worship and, and, and gratitude that she's expressing to the Lord in it. And even takes it a step further. She has this jar of perfume, very expensive perfume, that she takes and she, she breaks open the jar and pours the perfume on Jesus' feet. One of his disciples even began to question, what, why, would they, why would she waste that sort of money, that sort of expense on Christ? The religious leaders began to think to themselves, if Jesus really knew who this woman was, if, she, if he really understood the kind of sinner, the kind of sinful life that she led, he wouldn't allow her to be anywhere near him, much less wash his feet and anoint him with perfume. And in this moment, Jesus uh, responds to them with this following, following story. It's from Luke chapter 7. Verses 40 through 43. 
Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. See, people who have been forgiven much will love much. Her show of affection was the response to the forgiveness she received from Christ. But those who do not see their need for forgiveness, people who don't have the time to respond to that invitation, people who don't recognize the grip that sin has on all of us, they cannot appreciate the kind of joy that this woman showed. His kingdom will be full of joyful, grateful people. And so even after inviting the outcast, there's still room at the party. And so the master sends the servant out again, but this time he says to go outside the city, go to the highways, the hedges, find the people outside of the city and bring them in. These people represent the Gentiles, those outside of the nation of Israel. This would undoubtedly sound strange to the religious leaders. They were so accustomed in their way of thinking, uh, to their way of thinking, which emphasized Israel as the chosen people of God. But throughout scripture, God called Israel to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to reach out to the surrounding nations and point them toward God. Unfortunately, they often neglected this calling. And now as Jesus demonstrated through this parable, people from outside of Israel were responding to the invitation of God, while those inside Israel were rejecting it. This may not seem that significant to our modern ears. In fact, most of us gathered here today are Gentiles, right? But let me put it to you this way. Who are the people that act, look, think, talk and live differently than you? Who are the people that you would not expect to ever darken the doors of, of this church or any other? How would you, what would you do if they suddenly responded to God's gracious invitation? For honest with ourselves, we would, that would challenge most of us. But you know what? Christ died so that they could be forgiven too. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, and they are no different than us. God meets each of us And every one of us, where we are, informs us into the image of Christ through the work of his Holy Spirit. God's great banquet will be full of people we don't expect. There'll be people from every tribe, nation, ethnic group, skin color, and socioeconomic status. The book of Revelation describes a multitude of people from every tribe on earth, a number that no one can count. That's what God's banquet will look like. But along with this challenge, there's a mission God sent his servant out into the city and the countryside in order to extend that invitation to others. I believe that God is asking each one of us to do the same. He wants us to go out and compel people to accept his invitation. To compel someone doesn't mean we force them. It doesn't mean we coerce them into a relationship with Christ. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's Christ's love that compels us to reach out to people. Love is our motivation, and we should interact with people in such a way that Christ's love is evident in everything we do, and people can't help but notice. So the question is then, who can you go out and invite? Who are the people that God has placed in your life that need to know about God's love and grace? Maybe it's a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. Maybe it's that friend that you talk about everything except matters of faith. Or maybe it's that person who drives you crazy. Right? Maybe it's that person that you'd rather avoid. But I believe that God puts people in our lives for a reason. He wants us to go out and point people toward him. Remember, we're just the messengers. We don't need to save anybody. We just point to the one who can.
But this invitation also needs to go out beyond our community. There's a, a world of lost people out there who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. First Church has a great history of supporting missionaries and Christian, mission, and Christian ministries um, that spread the gospel around the world. And that's such a blessing, but it's not enough. See, we have a couple opportunities before us that were just recently made known. Uh, ben Balmer, uh, one of the missionaries we support, uh, is looking for people to accompany him on a mission trip to Ecuador uh, the minis- in, in this coming up summer. The ministry he serves with, Contigo, works with several orphanages and runs children programs on the weekend. And he wants to lead a group from our community down there uh, for a week in July to spend time working with these children. If you're interested, there will be an informational meeting on Tuesday, March 28th at 7 here at the church. And you can find out more details um, about the mission trip at that point. And there's also an opportunity to work at the 3C Project in Germany in September. Uh, this is the same ministry in which a few of our members uh, went and supported last summer. And details are not really worked out for that trip yet. Um, but they're looking for a work group to travel there and continue construction on their ministry center. Now listen, I understand that overseas mission trips aren't for everybody. God doesn't call all of us to go and drop everything and do that sort of thing. But he may be calling some of us. He may be calling you. And so if you're interested in a trip like that, if you're interested in reaching out in that way, uh, talk to me and I can give you more details as they're made available. But he does call all of us to reach out into our community, to reach out in the place that we are, we are, our context, with that invitation, to extend that invitation to those we know um, so that they can be a part of that, that great banquet. You see, there will be a banquet. God is looking for people to join him. And so will you. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that you do extend that invitation to each one of us. I pray for those gathered here today and listening on the radio that they would receive that invitation for themselves to be a part of that banquet, be a part of your kingdom, and then take that invitation and spread that around this world and around their communities. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us and continue to do. In Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you at this time to stand and in closing, let's sing the first verse of number 334, Come ye sinners, poor and needy. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.